Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Unwiring Minds. This is Raquel Pazberja, your host, and today we have Jackson Kirches with us. He is studying and teaching happiness, and he's here today to talk to us about how we can change our perspective of happiness and how we can actually learn to be happier. So I'll let you get right to it. Yeah, thank you. Well, I think before I even share more of my background and story, I'll begin with one story that exemplifies sort of this learned happiness model, or that I sometimes call it the student mindset. If I'm thinking back to my last semester at college, I was at that time teaching the first ever Happier Habits course at the University of Alabama. And I was driving home, I just bought a brand, well, brand new used uh, heavily used convertible. And so I was like jamming out, just having a great time. I like whipped into this side street by my house right as this guy was stepping out, walking his dog. And so I kind of slammed on the brakes and he like jumped back and we kind of locked eyes in that mutual, like pissed off sort of mouthing things at each other. And, um, you know, next thing I know, I threw my door open. Yeah. I started out after him and right as he turned around, I just had this moment where I kind of caught myself and I just said, Hey, that was my bad. And he looked at me like, what, what the hell? Like, what do you say? Like what? And I was like, yeah, no, I just came in way too fast. And you know, I, I just didn't see, I could have hit you. Like yeah, it was on me. And so, you know, we talked and he's like, that's cool. So as I get back in my car, I sit down and I'm basically like, what just happened? Like, what was that? And now what I realize in that moment is that's years of mental training of small habits about five years before that experience. I started with about 30 minutes per day of meditation. I did an eight week mindfulness based stress reduction course. And, you know, the whole theme there was that through your habits and intentional behaviors, you can transform your mind and how you show up in the world. And your day to day, you might not necessarily see that, but then you have these moments like that where they're really inflection points in life. And I think of how much happier I am in situations like that opposed to what could have happened. And so that's how this has sort of informed my view, my my learned happiness model. Okay. So just for now you have that context, I'll share a little bit about what I've done and this all started with saying, well, I, I just want to be happier, right? Like what else? That's the point of everything. Right? And if I study finance, I study medicine, it's to get a great job to be happy. So I'm like, well, why don't I just skip the extra step and study happiness? So I created what might be the first bachelor, first major in happiness at the University of Alabama. I did research and teaching while I was there. And um, after my time there, I continue to offer a course and I have a, my online Happier Habits course. Um, I continue to be influenced by Eastern traditions and contemplative practice. So I lived for four months as a Zen monk, continuing my study of happiness. And then in the last two years, I've started a training and consulting firm. So I speak, I've written two books, um, and we work a lot with basically businesses at this intersection of happiness and business, work with the military, um, 
Fortune 500, things like that. And I'm also a certified executive coach through Emory University. Yes, that's very interesting. And so what is sort of this theory that you've built throughout the years about happiness? Yeah. Well, I often try to tie this to people's direct experience. And I say, think for a moment about any skill, anything you're good at. So maybe for you, it's, you know, hosting podcasts, we'll say. So, so how, and, you know, for people listening, maybe it's a sport, maybe it's music, maybe it's whatever. It's like, how good were you the first time you ever did it? Well, probably like a two out of 10. And then how good are you now? Oh, maybe if you're being honest, nine out of 10, eight out of 10. So what happened to get you from a two to an eight? Probably two, two pieces of that. First is you acquired knowledge. You studied in some form, whether it was reading a book, taking a class, having a coach, having a teacher, watching videos, whatever. So that's sort of the intellectual knowledge. And then you practiced you got your reps in, right? You did the podcast, you played the instrument, you practiced the sport. And so what you see there is just through study or the acquisition of knowledge and then practice and taking actions repeatedly, you got better at something, you learned it. And it's like, we never think that way about happiness though. And my question is why not, right? It is something to study. So if you are to read books, watch videos, you know, philosophy, whatever, you know, take in knowledge about what leads to happiness as well as investigate for yourself what makes you happy and then build habits, take actions, practice around it, you will be happier. So that's basically the the essence of what I call this learned happiness model. Right. And so for people that need to get started, they want to take the first step. What do you think that they should be doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I often use this acronym of ASH, A-S-H, just because that makes it easier to remember. The A I say is attitude. And when I say attitude, I don't necessarily mean like positive thinking and smiling so much as changing your perspective. Or I often even use the term unlearning. You have to unlearn before you can learn. And unlearning simply, you know, our conditioned beliefs about happiness, right? These internal stories usually around, I have to achieve these things, or, you know, when I do this and feel good, and it's like, you know, first is that change in attitude to what I say, that that student mindset or just saying this is something to learn. The second piece, and this comes, you know, this where you get maybe longer term is what I call self-psychology. So that's just a lot of the things I teach around mindfulness practice, learning to investigate your own mind and mental patterns. And, you know, from there, you start to be able to almost be your own psychologist or your own coach or your own teacher. Okay. And then H is really the big part for me, which is habits. Um, You know, knowledge that doesn't lead to doing or to action is useless. So I often say, if you think about any area of your life where you're pretty happy, yeah. which you might think of one right now, all right, and what makes you happy there? Like, how does that area look? And then you're to do the same for an area of your life where you're maybe not so happy. And as you listen, again, you might do this for a moment. 
And what you'll find is that in the area of your life where you're happy, the reason you're happy is because you have certain habits that are getting you the things that you want and they're aligned with how you want that area of your life to be. And if you look at the areas where you're unhappy, your habits are not leading you towards where you want to be. Okay, so right. these are just your recurring behaviors. So with that model, right, I like to start with attitude and kind of learning and I can talk about some of the science behind that if you want, you know, but attitude, then self-psychology and starting to understand and investigate your own mind and practices of mind training and meditation. And then you're kind of working with habits, but that's all very high level, right? It's right. I have a whole course on it and all these things, but. Yes, it's not as easy to, it's easier said than done, but we, if people get started, that first initiative, that first change in attitude to understand that they can actually learn. I think that's a major step that a lot of people are scared of taking, but when they take it, they're on the right path, right? Yes. Exactly. So um, another question would be for people that are struggling, like they think that this is it, like they're, they may be experiencing uh, mental health disorders such as depression or severe anxiety, something like that. For those types of people, what would you recommend to get them motivated to get started with this journey? Well, there's two. I'll go. The first surface one is just my question that if I were a therapist, which I'm not, like disclaimer, um, it's just, are you exercising? Because that is less about being happier. And it's more just if you look at the you know, neurochemistry and the way human beings are meant to function, that's sort of like bringing you back to baseline, right? So that's not, that's like just baseline, you know, if you're down here, are you exercising? And that's where, again, which I also teach is like how you understand habits to maybe make it easier to get yourself to do the exercise, which is the most challenging part. But just as a baseline, we'll say, are you exercising? Second piece of that, I'd say that's a little more in depth is sort of the self-psychology piece, not identifying with what you're experiencing. So when the moment you say, I am depressed or I am anxious, you know, it's, you are not your depression. You are not your anxiety, right? Those are things you're experiencing. It's like, there's this one teacher who says, and when it rains on your picnic, who's upset? You or the rain, right? It's like you can throw black paint into the air, but the air doesn't turn black, right? So what, what's happening is you are this container of experience. So you might say, ah, there is anxiety here. There is depression here. I am experiencing negative emotions. But just in doing that and through mindfulness, learning to observe that negative emotion, you're just creating a little bit of distance, a little bit of separation and saying, there might be a problem here, but I'm kind of, that's not a problem, right? right. Or you can say, I don't, I don't feel great, but that's not a problem. So it's de-identifying, creating that separation. And, and then you're in a place where you have an awareness where you can make different, more effective choices. Yeah, it's very interesting. I didn't, I'd never thought of uh, that like that, where we shouldn't be um, simply identifying ourselves with our disorders, but rather saying that we're feeling them, we're experiencing them, but that doesn't mean we are the disorder mm -hmm. itself. So very interesting. And another thing is, what is your number one advice for anyone that wants to get started? What's the one thing that you would always recommend? Hmm. I often think 
the single biggest thing I teach is secretly not happiness, which is kind of yeah. funny. It's how to, as a human being, how do I get myself to do things, right? Because that's the, the trace. Like a lot of times we know what we're doing. And Lori Santos, who's a professor at Yale, she talks about the G.I. Joe fallacy saying knowing is not doing. So typically I say, if you're thinking, you know, what's just one thing I can kind of do to, to maybe get started or something is you need to almost outsmart your future self. Because your future self, it tends to be, and me too, is like, I'm going to do all these big things. And then when the time comes, it's like, I don't, I don't know, it's kind of hard. And so the you're thinking of ways where you can lock yourself into things. So for example, right, instead of saying, I want to start exercising, you know, getting a pass for a certain amount of months for group fitness or getting a trainer. Um, another simpler example of this that I believe is attributed to Naval Ravikant, but I'm not sure. He says, start telling everyone how happy you are so that you then are forced to be happier. Right. So even those little things of just the moment you tell someone you're going to do something or you make a statement in public or, you know, these are all what in psychology, if you want to Google it, we don't have time to explain it now, are called commitment devices. But there are ways to lock yourself into doing things in the future that are hard to do because they require discipline. Right. Well, thank you so much, Jackson, for being here today. I think that you have very uh, valuable things that people need to know and people need to learn from you and start doing, like you said. And so thank you so much for being here today. And to the listeners, I'll see you next time.